This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Braves reporter Mark Bowman. And Mark, tough start to the season for the Braves. They played real well for most of their opener against the Washington Nationals, but they they lose the lead in the ninth and then end up losing the game in the 10th inning. But I think there were some positives to pull out of that game overall. What were kind of your first impressions of seeing this team in a regular season game? You know, I think you got to start with what you saw from Julio Tehran because we were encouraged by what we saw during spring training from him and then he carries that into yesterday's start he you know for the most part he handled their left-handed hitters unfortunately uh for him that the two hits they surrendered to left-handed hitters were, were home runs Bryce Harper and uh Daniel Murphy um you know but but you know he, he totaled 30 pitches in the first inning it's Pitch counts up there near 60 through three, and you, and you think, you know, how long is he going to be able to last? He gets through six innings, and, and you know, the Braves' offense did its part with it. Two solo homers against Max Scherzer, and you're sitting there saying, you know, this team's in position to win. You go bullpen against bullpen, and and um, and and they, just there at the end, they they far too many defensive mistakes. You know, it kind of started with the well, first of all, the the four pitch walk to to Jason Worth, Jason Grill, you know, he can't, you can, it's easy to say he experienced uh, some misfortune that inning, but at the same time, you make your own bed when, when you do that. Next, you've got a defensive shift where the whole right side of the infield is wide open. Wilson Ramos sends a single through there. Um, you know, that, 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 was, that was something where I heard some of the players talking after the game, as you know, you're going to hear that in the clubhouse. When the shift works, you know, hey, look, we had our guys in the right place. When it doesn't work, why are we doing this? Um, and then you, you've got the, the Espinosa bunt on it, a two-strike bunt, where, which basically backspins. It falls dead in no man's land. And then, obviously, they still had a chance to win, even though the Nationals blew the bases there in the ninth inning. Um, you get the, the fly ball off of Taylor's bat, and then there's NCR that makes a pretty good throw. It, it short hops. A.J. Brzezinski in front of the plate, and he's not able to hold on to it to make the tag, which would have been quite a thrilling way to end an opening day. Uh, and then, obviously, in the ninth inning, Gordon, or in the tenth inning, Gordon Beckham committed throwing error that, uh, that allowed the Nationals to, to score the, the winning run. So, yeah, it was somewhat of a – you talked to Freddie Freeman after the game, and he, he kept saying this, boy, we, we played so great all day today. It's, it's just a – you know, it, it was a, a – I don't want to call it a downer, but it, it's just—it's kind of frustrating because you, there's a, there are 161 games left, but that was one, and that one game is not any more important than any other. But you hate to give any away, and I, and I think the Braves walked away from that saying, "Hey, look, we we, we had a chance to win that—a real good chance to win it—and and, uh, we handed the Nationals a victory." Yeah, and it's that vibe to kick off the season as well. I think you know if you win that opener, it puts everybody in a good place to. To, to open things up. All right, well, this team and Freddie 
had some tough decisions to make at the end of spring training as far as the roster goes. And and in the end of the day, they, they end up releasing Michael Bourne and Emilio Bonifacio um, after they had uh, let Swisher go the week before. That made room for Drew Stubbs and, of course, Frank Cora staying on the roster. Um, but it seemed like the release of Michael Bourne really struck Freddie Gonzalez as one of the tougher things he's had to do. Yeah, no doubt. And that's exactly what he said. He said it may have been the hardest thing he's ever done. You know, there, there's no doubt that, that Freddie Gonzalez loved Michael Bourne. He, he had him there in 2011 and 12. Uh, he credits Michael Bourne with fostering Jason Hayward's growth. Um, you know, just he's just a, a class individual, one of those guys you love to have in your clubhouse. At the end of the day, he just didn't fit on this roster. And, and I was thinking, you're looking at that going into spring training, but and you're saying, how's you know when's when's he going to get a chance to play? Especially if they get to a point where they they want to uh, give Hector Oliveira, if he's an everyday player in left field, you've already got a left-handed hitting center fielder in Ender and Ciarte. So if you're sitting him, it doesn't make any sense to play Michael Bourne. Uh, there weren't going to be many pinch hit opportunities for, for Bourne. Um, you know, and he, he's reached a point in his career. It's obviously a lot of his value came in his via his legs, and once you get reach those early 30s, sometimes that that value continues to uh, uh, disappear. And so, yes, it was hard for them to, to say goodbye to him, but it but it made perfect sense, you know, from roster uh, construction standpoint. And you've got to give the Braves credit to where, you know. When they made that deal last year, the bad contract swap, you send Chris Johnson to the Indians for Michael Bourne and, and Nick Swisher. And now all of a sudden you're taking on $29 million for this season while getting rid of the $10 million basically that, that Johnson would have been, been paid in 2017. The Indians wanted to free up payroll in 2016. The Braves wanted to free up payroll in 2017. That's all. That that was the basis of, of that deal, and the reason the Braves got fifteen million dollars in that deal was they they knew there was a pretty good chance that Nick Swisher was, you know, wouldn't spend much time with them. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that contract was essentially wiped out by that fifteen million dollars they got. But, but still, we, you got to give the Braves credit to where that they they did not allow financial commitments standing in the way of constructing the roster in, in the strongest form possible. And, and in doing so, they went out and got a, you know, found Drew Stubbs late last week, gave him a two-day audition to put him on the roster. He didn't have to do much to, to audition. He basically had to prove he was healthy, I think. That's about it. Because they were looking for a right-handed bat, a, a guy who can uh, spell NCRT in center field on those days when he, the Braves are facing a tough left-handed pitcher or NCRT just needs a breather. So, uh, you know, unfortunately... Uh, for Michael Bourne, it, it didn't work out here. You hope that he, he lands somewhere here quick because, uh, yeah, I, I get it that, that he may not provide that same value that he did uh, on the field, uh, but at the same time he can enrich a clubhouse. And uh, and, 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 and then for some teams that, that need a left-handed back or left-handed backup outfielder, he's not going to hurt you. Uh, when you look at, at the, the roster and those final decisions, there's the tough ones like Michael Bourne, and then there's the moves that, that kind of make you smile and, and make you feel good for a guy, a feel-good story. And how about number two, twenty number 22 prospect John Gant making this opening day roster and just a great effort by him throughout the spring to, to put himself in that position? Yeah, it really was. You know, here's the guy where 
seeing the first time. You know, you know who John Gant was, you know, because he was involved in the July trades. I think most Braves fans were very familiar with him. Um, he was acquired in the July trade that sent Kelly Johnson uh, and Juan Uribe to the Mets. Um, at the time, there were some members of the Mets organization who weren't real familiar with him because he was, you know, uh, a mid-level prospect, probably at best in their eyes. Um, he went to Double A Mississippi, finished the season really strong last year, one nine nine ERA over seven starts. Comes to camp, the first thing that stands out, and whenever anybody sees John Gann, is this funky delivery where he basically, you know, he, he pumps that left foot, you know, on the ground during the delivery, lifts it again, and and then and, uh, then completes the delivery. It's it's a weird. Uh, it's something you haven't seen too frequently, and at the same time, more importantly, you haven't seen a changeup like his all that often. And I think that is one thing the Braves say, hey, look, this guy can work multiple innings, be a long reliever, or be effective against left-handers. They will have to make a choice next week when Shasin make when they bring Julius Shasin up to join the rotation. Uh, they will have to get rid of one of the relievers, and it will probably be either Gant or uh, Jose Ramirez, who is out of options. So, uh, you know, if, if that time comes and, and Gant goes back down to the minors, the intention will be, hey, look, let's allow, allow him to, to start uh, there for Gwinnett, be available to serve as a starter if, if necessary at some point this year. But at the same time, you know, I, I heard one scout compare him to John Patterson, uh, former Rangers reliever. He, he bounced around, but that, I think that a lot of people remember him with the Rangers. But uh, a guy who... He's got that trick pitch and uh, funky delivery that uh, it could be effective as a reliever um, for many years down the road if it doesn't uh, work out as a starter. All right, Mark, I wanted to get your three keys to success for this Braves team in 2016. And I know number one in your eyes, uh, Freddie Freeman just needs to stay on the field for this team. Yeah, well, that, that goes without saying. We saw it yesterday right away. Here's a guy who can provide Instant offense, he's one of the few power sources within that lineup. It, it has been encouraging to see Adonis Garcia provide some surprising power. But, but uh, you know, without Freddie Freeman in the middle of that lineup, it, this team's going to uh, struggle to score runs. Uh, he, he can maximize the benefit of having a NCR Tay and Ibar at the top of the lineup. Um, and, it, like I said, it, it, to have Garcia continue to show a little bit of power here, Hey, look, it's one game, but I, let's say he extends what he continues to do, what he did late last season. Uh, that, that's going to be nice having him right there in the middle of Freddie Freeman and Nick Markakis. They they need Markakis to get going here. He had a tough spring, and um, they need to they, they need to hope that he gets back to at least having the consistency that he had last year. He's made some changes here to his swing and uh, using a different bat, so he, he's in the process of getting comfortable again. Uh, but uh, without Freddie Freeman, that that lineup's going to struggle just like it did for, you know, those final three three or four months last year when he was dealing with the wrist issue. And then when you look at this rotation, you saw what Julio Tehran can do. He was good in the opener. Obviously, that needs to continue along with Matt Whistler, right? Both of those guys need to keep developing. Uh, yeah, no doubt. You know, as last year was going on, I, I kept looking at it saying you've you got to get rid of Julio Tehran, you know, while he still has some value, I don't know if that value is coming back, you know, to where it was maybe, especially when he was a top prospect. Um, but, you know what, I, I've seen enough from, from Tehran this year, spring training and then yesterday to, to battle like he did uh, to stay in that game and, and limit the Nationals to the 
two solo homers over six innings, um, I've seen enough to say, hey, look, this guy could be a solid number uh, three in many rotations. For now, he's got to be served Atlanta's ace, um, and he'll 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 serve as a uh, anchor in that rotation. And what we've seen from Matt Whistler is the hope if he continues. He's only 19 starts into his career. If he continues to make the progress that we saw in spring training, he's far from a finished product. But if he continues to make those strides, then all of a sudden now you've got two guys in that rotation that it could be solid number twos or threes um, moving forward. And then all of a sudden you start waiting for first Aaron Blair, who, who's probably still along those lines of a, a number three, number four type of guy. They start coming, Ty- Tyrell Jenkins. You're waiting for Sean Newcomb to start throwing more strikes, and then what, when he gets up there, then maybe he can he can evolve into that uh, ace type pitcher that he has the potential to be. Some of their top guys down there, you know, Tuki Toussaint, uh, Colby Allard, even further away, Max Freed. Let's see how he fares coming off of uh, Tommy John surgery here. As they progress this year, I think Braves fans are going to start to see why they are considered those three in particular, elite prospects, guys that, that can maybe make that, that jump to, to be the, you know, be a number one or number two in the rotation. And then finally, key number three is if, if the rotation isn't going to be exactly a strength, at least early on or first half of the season, the bullpen needs to be a strength. No doubt about it. You know, that last year, that's, that was a, a problem throughout the season. They, they got consistency out of Jason Grilly and Jim Johnson there. Uh, through the first few months, they were two of the, you know, two the two reliable uh, keys in that bullpen through the first half, and they helped that their primary reason that team started off 42 and 42 last year, and then all of a sudden Jason really gets hurt and Johnson gets traded, and and the bullpen was uh, you know a disaster for a lack of a better word for the last two months of the season. They they have some depth in that in that pen now. I really, you, you got to like what you've seen out of Daniel Winkler. He had a a uh, good season debut um, on Monday, and Alexia Gonda. There, there's some depth there, and if they can continue to to be able to either protect leads or keep games close there in the middle innings, I, I think that Arodis Vizcaino has shown that he can be uh, a reliable force at the back end of that bullpen. Freddie has made it clear that that Vizcaino is his guy. He, you know, so it, it's kind of a he has bought into this new school uh, bullpen approach where uh, this is what the fans and sabermeticians have been asking for. If you Use your guy in a high-leverage situation, and that's what he did on Monday is, yes, this guy is his closer, but because Bryce Harper, Ryan Zimmerman, and uh, Anthony Rendon were coming up there in the eighth inning, this guy you know, got the eighth inning, got through it. Uh, in a scoreless fashion. Unfortunately, then they needed three more outs, and, and Jason really was not able to get those three outs. But at the same time, you know, let, let, let's take somebody who's looking at the old school thinking or the traditional closers approach. Would you have rather had this guy, you know, face Rendon, Harper, and Zim, Zimmerman, or, or really there in the eight? And had, had really faced those guys, would there have been a lead to protect there for this guy, you know, in the ninth inning? So I, I like what Freddie's. You know his willingness to accept this approach, um, and, and you know it's going to. We'll, we'll see how it uh, works moving forward. But but it's it was he certainly did the right thing on Monday. Unfortunately, the results were not uh, you know what he what he had wished for.
Yeah, you got to get help from the rest of the roster at some point when making those decisions. All right, great stuff as always, Mark Bowman. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Braves edition. Tune in again next week. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.